Some of you are getting nervous. He's going to teach on prophecy. You don't have to worry about that. I'm not one of those guys. I, <clears throat> I let other guys teach prophecy. And I teach everything else so perfect I don't need to major on prophecy. I'll let those guys that like it, like to study it, and uh, I'll let them do it. Everything else I got down pat. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, already I've read the word shall two times. Notice verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Notice again. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be, notice that word shall again, no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I want to teach this lesson tonight on the certainty of God's shalls. The certainty of God's shalls. When God says something, you can believe it. I'm telling you, without a doubt, you don't have to question it. You, don't have, you do not have to pray about it. God says shall. If God says shall, you don't have to say, well, Brother Gandy, I, I want to know the will of God. I'm going to go on a 30-day fast, and uh, I'm going to pray every day for two hours. Well, I'm just going to save you a little hunger pain. There's no need to do that. If God says shall, it shall be shall. If God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And um, I want to encourage your faith tonight in the Word of God. I want you to believe that God's got everything under control. God is still on the throne. He's still governor and king and lord. He's still the director of the universe he still sees even the sparrow when it falls. He still knows how many hairs are on our heads. He has everything under control. And don't worry about him. Don't pray for him. Please don't waste your time praying for God. 
He's not running out of energy. He's not running out of resources. If he does, he'll just speak more into existence. Because that's all God's got to do is speak it. And it is done. Come on, somebody act like you believe that tonight. I believe that. With all my heart, soul, mind, strength, I believe that. Amen. And clap your hands to the Lord and you can be seated. Amen. <clears throat> it's very painful to have someone you trust tell you that they're going to do something for you and they don't do it. Many of us tell stories about people who have let us down by making promises to us and then not following up on those promises. Life has taught us to be wary of certain people. And it is a lesson that many of us have learned the hard way. There's an old saying that a promise made is a debt unpaid. We expect family and friends to keep their word and some come through for us when we have a pressing need. But sometimes they don't come through. When a friend disappoints us, notice I said friend. When a friend disappoints us, we're not terribly upset because they're our friend. But when someone close to us makes a promise and then they fail to deliver on that, we're blindsided because often we do not see it coming. And the same, at the same time, we must acknowledge that there have been times when we also have made promises and not kept them. You got to either say amen or owe me on that. <laughs> Shall in the English language is a strong word. It's used to show that something must, everybody say must happen. Now it's not that way in our government. It's not that way in a lot of institutions in our world. But if God's word says shall, it must come to pass. Not only must it come to pass, it will come to pass. There are 5,001 shalls in the King James Version of the Bible. And many of them are promises of blessings and good things that God will do for his people. And I get excited about those shalls. I love those shalls that promise me blessings and good things in my life. Does anybody relate with what I just said? I like those kind of shalls. But, however, there are some shalls about judgment and about what will happen to the ungodly also. 
So ever shall in the Bible is not something that you would just love to hear. It's not always a promise of good benefits and good blessings and things that we get excited about. Sometimes the shalls are about judgment and about bad things that will happen to those that do not serve the Lord. God does not break His word on those promises. God is coming back for a church. That is a promise. There is something called the catching away that we call the rapture. It is going to happen. And if we're not careful, we can go to sleep right in the middle of all of this and actually miss the rapture. And I, I know there's a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people believe that once you get saved, you're always saved. I've heard that statement, once saved, always saved. That's not one time found in the Word of God. Not one time. Now, I will say this, and I believe this, that once you're a child of God or a son of God, you're always a son of God. That's right. Whether you like it or not. My daddy was a good man and I'm proud to carry the Gandhi name. I have no embarrassment about my father and his name. And you belong to Jesus Christ. He's your father. And you should have no embarrassment about that name. <laughs> Amen. It's a good name. He's a powerful name. Powerful God. What I'm saying in essence is that God is going to bring to pass everything that he has promised to bring to pass. This is good news for us because God understands every situation and everything that you endure and I endure, every trial and every temptation in this world, God understands all of that. When God is an actor on the stage of a person's life, all other actors disappear. <laughs> That's just a statement that I've made because it's a word picture of our life with God. If he's number one in your life, everything else is in sequence after that. If God is number one, you need to do everything in your power to make sure he stays number one in your life. Keep Jesus on your throne. We say it all the time, Jesus, you're on the throne. And that's a powerful statement. And it needs to be said and it needs to be believed. But let me tell you what's more important to you as an individual. Jesus, you're on the throne of my life. Make it personal and say, God, you're not just on the throne. You're on my throne. You're my king and my Lord and my God and I'm happy about it. Somebody say, I'm happy. There are some things you have to do 
if you want the promises of God for your life to come to pass. As there's some that think that, boy, you get in the kingdom of God, uh, you don't really have to do much or think much or act much. Uh, everything just comes to you. Not according to the Bible that I read and study. It seems like to me from what I read in the Word of God that there always seems to be some kind of stipulation in God's promises. It always seems to me that there are some things that God requires of us in order to get the blessings and the, uh, the good things happening to us that come from God. It is important because your actions could cause a hindrance, a delay, or a lack of fulfillment to God's promises if you're not sensitive and listening and paying attention. Despite God's promises, a believer must face some tests and troubles, especially while waiting for the fulfillment of those promises. That's that waiting that we don't care for. Amen? I read a story of a pastor who took his children to a restaurant for lunch and his wife, his whole family, and he said, my six-year-old son asked if he could say grace. And we bowed our heads, and he started praying. He said, God is good. God is great. Thank you for the food. And I would even thank you more if Mama gets us ice cream for dessert and liberty and justice for all. Amen. Now, that was his prayer. And, and you know, along with the laughter from the family and others that heard, uh, there was a woman that made a remark that they also heard. And she said, that's what's wrong with kids today in our country. They don't even know how to pray. Asking God for ice cream. Well, I've never heard such. It's a true story. Hearing this, he said, my son burst into tears and he asked me, <clears throat> did I do something wrong? Is God mad at me? The pastor said, as I held him and assured him that he had done nothing wrong. He did a, a terrific job and God was certainly not mad at him. An elderly gentleman approached their table about that time and he winked at my son and said, I happen to know that God thought you did a great job in your prayer today. Basically, my <clears throat> he winked at my son. He said, I happen to know that God thought it was great. And the son said, really? And the man said, cross my heart. Then in a whisper, he added, indicating the woman whose remark had started this whole thing. He said, too bad she never asked God for ice cream. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. So the pastor said, naturally, I bought my kids ice cream at the end of that meal. He said when the ice cream was served, 
My son stared at his ice cream for a moment. Pastor said he did something I will remember the rest of my life. He picked up his Sunday, and without a word, he walked over and placed it in front of that woman with a big smile. He told her, here, this is for you. Ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. And he said, my soul is good already. We got to make sure our soul is good. If your soul's good, then you don't have to worry about the shells. <laughs> Whether they're good shells or bad shells, if your soul is good, it just doesn't matter. Because those bad judgmental shells that we find in the Word of God, you don't have to feel guilt. You don't have to fear, uh, feel fear. You can just rejoice that I've got the good shells and the good promises on my life. And God is going to bless me for that. And I'm going to go to heaven. So let us examine what a believer should not do in the middle of of tests and trials and trouble so that he or she will not land in more trouble. We get ourselves in trouble because we do things that are not good for us. <laughs> I know y'all probably never did, but I did. I got, I got in trouble a lot of times when I was growing up. I did things wrong. I know, I know you guys don't do anything. These Winchell kids, I just... Perfect little angels, right? Mom and dad, come on, shake your head up and down. They're, they're disobeying me. Y'all see that? They didn't go up and down. They, they're perfect little angels. Is that right? Uh, no, she's not. But they are sweet kids. I will say that. But, you know, we get ourselves in trouble because we do things we shouldn't do. We think things we shouldn't think. And... Boy, what really gets us in trouble, we say things we shouldn't say. How many times you ever opened your mouth when you shouldn't have? Thank you. Thank you, Sister Kenya. She's raising her hand back. I didn't even ask you to. She's raising her hand. We've got ourselves in trouble with our mouths. We don't know when to be quiet. We say things we shouldn't say. I've learned that when people are grieving, it's not what you say that really matters to them in that time. It's just being there for them. It's just being there and letting them feel you care, feeling your love. So let's look at a few things you do not do when you're going through something and you're trying to decipher through the shouts. Do not Blame God. Number one, do not. Everybody say it with me. Do not blame God. Don't blame God for your inconsistencies. Because he's not inconsistent. God never does anything wrong. And so you can't blame God when things don't work out. When you start blaming God, you're going to find yourself in worse trouble. Because I'm going to tell you, God just doesn't like that. 
He gets very upset when people start blaming him for stuff and they don't see the end from the beginning. They don't know what he has planned. Number two, do not break down. Don't break down. Ever, ever, ever been in a breakdown in your car? What happens when you have a breakdown? That means you're not going anywhere. That means you're at a standstill. That means you're sitting on the side of the road somewhere. You're broke down. You cannot go where you need to go because you're broke down. So we cannot break down in this life. Don't let this life overwhelm you. Don't let college overwhelm you. Don't let school overwhelm you. Don't let your job overwhelm you. Don't let your marriage overwhelm you what are you saying get a divorce no I'm saying get a good marriage amen start treating each other like you did when you're trying to get each other we hadn't had a marriage class in a while I'm kind of giving you a little bit tonight number three do not give up don't quit not time to quit when things are going wrong in your life it's not time to run it's not even a good time to change pastors, change churches. I mean, when you go through something, you're having problems. If y'all ever had any disputes in your marriage, Brother Sitowinchel, ever disagreements? Now, how silly would it be just because y'all have a disagreement to just break up and split up and say, we can't live together anymore? Right? Would that be silly? That'd be ignorant. And y'all are smart people. But boy, that would be dumb for y'all to just split up because you had a disagreement. You're going to have disagreements in life. What you do is don't give up. You start looking at what caused us to disagree and give a little bit. Change some things. Make some things right. Number four, do not be discouraged. Everybody say, don't be discouraged. Discouragement will depress you. It'll cause you to have no faith. It'll cause your victory to drain out. You won't have any joy, happiness. You'll lose your smile and put a frown. You'll, you'll allow bitterness to grow in your life. And on and on could go that list. So don't be discouraged. Do not lose your joy. Try not to worry <laughs> and try not to fear because those things are not from God. God does not provide us with fear and worry. That's always from the flesh. That's always from the devil. These seven do nots are what a Christian should not engage in because they cause delay in the arrival of God's promises. God's promises cannot not happen. <laughs> I know that's probably not the best in English, but if God says something, it will happen. But if we allow the do nots to be applied to our life, it may slow down what God wants to do. That doesn't mean God changed his mind. That doesn't mean that, uh, that 
God's made a mistake and the kingdom of God is in a mess, that means that we just hadn't learned it yet. That means that we're not aware. That means that we're uh, out, of, out of sync with God. That means God's got to work on us some more. And God works on us and works on us and works on us. And sometimes it takes and sometimes it doesn't. And I'm going to tell you, those promises sometimes are delayed because God has to work on us some more. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God knows what you can bear. He knows where that, where that straw that breaks the camel's back. He knows that last straw to put on. He knows just before you've had enough. God does not make mistakes. He knows how hot to get the temperature to get us changed and get us looking and listening to him. When you do these seven things, the don't-do list I gave you a while ago, it's a sign that you do not believe God, that God can make everything different. He can make a way where there seemeth no way, and you stop believing that. We may say we believe in God, but if we have no faith and we allow fear to take over, or just run out of patience waiting on God, we are telling our friends and our family that maybe we really do not believe in God. A man went to see a barber to get his hair cut and his beard trimmed, and the man and the barber talked about various subjects. When they eventually touched on the subject of God, the barber said, Well, I just don't believe in God. Why do you say that? asked the customer. Well, if God exists, why are there so many sick people? Why are there abandoned children? If God exists, there should be neither suffering nor pain. I can imagine a loving God who would allow all of these things to happen. The customer disagreed with the barber, but he didn't respond because he didn't want to start an argument. And he just sat there in the barber shop and he looked out the window and he saw a man in the street with long, stringy, dirty hair and a long, untrimmed beard. And all of a sudden, he turned and he said to the barber, Look out your window. Look at that man standing right out there on the street with that long, stringy hair and that long, untrimmed, uncut beard. I just want you to know, barber, that I don't believe that barber's exist 
The barber looked at him and said, well, how can you say that? I am a barber. I just cut your hair. No, the customer exclaimed, barbers do not exist because if they did, there'd be no people with long, stringy, unkempt hair and beards like that man standing right outside your barber shop. He said, oh, but barbers do exist, answered the barber. What happens is people just don't come to see us. Exactly is what the customer said. God also exists, but what happens is people don't go to Him and allow Him to help them. I'm going to tell you something. God's got a lot of shells He would like to fulfill in every one of our lives, but you've got to allow Him. If you do not allow him, if you put up doors and, and petitions and you keep God out of your life, God is so uh, hungry to do things for people, but they just don't allow him. 700 years before it happened, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 7.14, and I have no clue, I forgot to check what time I started tonight. What time did I start? I know somebody looked. Come on, admit it. Come on, you checking me. Come on. Anybody know what time I started? Huh? Eight. I've been going 28 minutes. I got a few more minutes. It says, therefore the Lord himself, notice, shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was prophesied years, hundreds of years before it happened and it came to pass because the prophet under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost said what God wanted to be said and he wrote it down and it became the word of God. It was a sign, it was prophecy and it came to pass. Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That was a shall that God made sure came to pass. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. I'm telling you, God's in this for the long haul. He's going to be here when it's all said and done. When it all finishes up, God will be there because his word says he will. God shall forever be God. Now, Satan's shalls are mixed with truth and lies. Don't ever think Satan don't have some shalls. He's got some. Let's turn to Genesis 1 or 3 and 1. <clears throat> now the serpent thank you for that water and thank y'all for looking at me while I'm drinking it <sighs> paying attention now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made <clears throat> notice and he said unto the woman God didn't say this 
the serpent said this to the woman. Yea, hath God said, ye shall, see that shall there? He's questioning that shall. Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. He was questioning a direct statement from God. Telling Adam and Eve, you shall not eat of that fruit lest you die. And now he's saying, hath God said? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. We can eat anything we want. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat. Of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Not only could they not eat it, but they were asked, or they were commanded, not to even touch it. There are some things we just need to leave alone. There are some things in this life you need to stay away from. Keep your hands off of it. Keep your eyes off of it. Keep it out of your system. Because it's harmful for you. And the serpent said unto the woman. Now here's where he starts. Ye shall not surely die. Everybody say that's a lie. That is a lie. And then he says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. That's the truth. You see, the devil lied, and then he said the truth. And then he said, and ye shall be as gods. There's another lie. Knowing good and evil, which is truth. So he had a mixture of lies and truth in his shouts. Can I just tell you, and you hear me good, God never mixes up his shalls with lies and truth. Every shall that we find in the word of God, 5,001 of them in the King James Version of the Bible, 5,001 time God said shall, and I can guarantee you and promise you that every one of them is going to come to pass or has come to pass because God cannot lie. Everybody said amen. amen. One more illustration. I'll close. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Jesus was led up in the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, who's the tempter? There you go. And here's what he said. If thou be the Son of God, questioned him. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made to bread. In other words, he's saying, if you're God, then prove you're God. But he answered, as Jesus answered and said unto him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, 
If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. And the devil says, for it is written. Don't you ever think the devil won't use the word of God on you. But he always distorts it in some way. There's always a reason. If he ever quotes truth, he wants to quote it in such a way that you don't believe it like God said it. And here's what he said. And this is a quote from the devil. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. What he's saying is, if it's if is used in this, he asks the question, if. Then he quotes scripture to support the temptation of if. Jesus said unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil taking him up taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And again, the devil's lying. He did not have those and own those to give. God owned it. He makes a false promise to try to get Jesus to worship him. And don't ever think the devil won't do you that way. He'll try to make false promises to you. He'll tell you stuff that you want to hear to get you persuaded to do what he wants you to do. And that's doubt God, rebel against God, anything negative about God and salvation he would love for you to listen to him on that. But then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt, in other words, you're going to worship the Lord, and him only shalt, it's, it's shalt, S-H-A-L-T, but that's shall. Same thing. You're going to worship him and him only. You can't worship anybody else. Only God. And after he said that, and after he affirmed what was written, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. God's not like humans. Would you stand? When he says shall, that is exactly what God means.